0: But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's not really noise. This, this is the best seat in the yeah. house. It's, it's got, got floor a floor runway floor. in the front yard. <laughs> Did you see this story about the mystery aircraft flying over Quincy, Mass? This, this is, like, pretty pretty weird. This was a, this is in the news up here in Boston uh, about a week ago, I guess. Let's see, what was the date on this story? Uh, May nine, so it's like four days ago, all right. And uh uh, Quincy, Mass. Uh, a, a mystery in Quincy continues to deepen. Who is flying around the city from dusk to dawn for the past 10 days or so? It's frightening, ju- not just weird, but frightening, said one resident of the Wollaston section. Um, every night for the last two weeks, the story goes on to say, residents have spotted a low-flying aircraft doing loops. We'll come back to that in a second. Doing loops <laughs> over the city. Uh, WBZ TV has learned the FAA knows what's going on, but the agency isn't telling and there's more here in the dun, story dun, 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 dun. yeah i know so uh, uh-huh. yeah that makes it all better i know huh? and apparently yeah. people like the city council and the mayor tried to get an answer and they claim they couldn't get an answer either and so uh everybody was really kind well, of
1: they think it is
0: what yeah well I
1: mean, it, this is this is this is the dumbest article of course there are fbi planes flying over boston <laughs> of course they are yeah. are are doing surveillance What planet do you think you're living on? Yes. I I don't know why this is a story.
0: Well, because it was a story, you know, mystery airplanes flying over, you know, residential areas. That's a story, man. Um, And it's going to fade like a rock in dark water.
2: When they get an answer that well, says, "Oh, it's something entirely logical and
0: necessary." Well, you know, oh, okay. Man. Here's the answer. There's nothing. There's nothing alien or particularly exotic about the answer. It is a little disturbing. Still, let me just go back to one second here. Um, it, the uh, the uh, story uh, described the low flying aircraft doing loops, and I, my take on that is that's just a bad use of terminology. And what they really meant was doing circles mm-hmm. um, over the city, not that they were literally doing loops, because that would be a but cool it, story. It's not. A- drone. It's not a drone. So anyways, I did a little research today just before we got together, and it turns out there was a follow-up story. And if you look in the uh, notes here, we've got uh, this follow-up story, which is from the uh, Business Insider website. And uh, they did a little digging, and they came to the conclusion, they claimed that they have uh, uh, got an answer from a source, that in fact, these were FBI aircraft. Uh, the, the aircraft flying over Boston metropolitan area since at least April 24 are not drones, but FBI planes. Among them are a Cessna 208, a Cessna 206, and a Cessna 182. And they actually listed tail numbers. I don't know whether those are accurate or not. Do you
2: know what a 208 is? No, what's a 208? It's a caravan. Okay. Uh, the story goes that's, on to... That's, that's one of my high-category
0: aerobatic ambitions, is yeah, to loop know. a caravan. Well, uh, we have already established that they weren't really looping them. <laughs> um, the story goes on to say, what are these planes doing at night? Uh, or, uh, I'm sorry. The story goes on to say, what these airplanes are doing at night can't be said with much detail because the operation requires some secrecy, and the FBI is obviously not willing to comment on it. Uh, ba- but but based on the type of mission usually Flown by these assets, and this is according to this Business Insider story um, available on the Federal Bureau's website, it's safe to say they are conducting aerial surveillance and intelligence collection. Um, although they are painted as normal private planes, some of the aircraft are equipped with night surveillance and eavesdropping systems, including thermal and video imagery, and are capable uh, to track suspected terrorists and criminals. So I don't know if that's the answer to the story. That's that's a follow-up on the story. Well,
1: uh, you know, I pulled up the registration on one of them. Yeah? On, uh, what does on it say? It says registered to the Federal Bureau of Investigation, Washington, D.C. <laughs> well, so I don't know where the secret is. I, I know, know what's what's going on, but uh, more mainstream, lamestream media.
0: Yeah, well, you know, like I said, everyone was very excited about airplanes flying overhead at night. This is like interesting. A
1: heavy sign, there.
0: Well, you know, there's bound to be a little extra level of paranoia in Boston right now. Yeah, I think All there's right. some of that going on. And I and I you know, and everybody's trying to draw a connection and maybe there is a connection between this and that. Um we're talking about the Boston Marathon bombings. Um but uh I don't know. I don't know. Um Quincy's pretty close into town, and Quincy is basically right underneath sort of Long Final for one of the um, more highly used runways for Logan Airport. Um, it's uh, it's interesting that uh, you know that they would be flying in that area. I mean, obviously there's some coordination going on because. You know, more. I mean, just recently, I, have, I I rode an air an airliner back into Boston, right over that that part of Greater Boston. So, uh, it's it's a thing. I mean, we're not talking like you know, they're way out in the burbs. You know, this is like pretty close to town. No, I'm familiar enough with the area
2: that when I hear you say Quincy and night traffic, at the same time, I'm thinking there's some really interesting stuff going on with the with the uh, uh, sector controllers there uh handling this among all the other traffic that they're handling wouldn't surprise me if they had a discrete frequency oh
0: well i mean, you know if it's fbi right i mean probably.
2: well there's a little thing about public aircraft being exempt from uh, pretty much all the farce. if you look at it at its at it's most uh, crazy uh doesn't mean that you shouldn't be smart and follow them like do maintenance is recommended and all that stuff right.
0: But there's precedent. Yeah, but I'm not even worried about these airplanes whether or not they're following the FARs. What I'm worried about is them bumping into an airliner that's on on final for runway four. So well,
2: that's uh, yeah, I think they'd you'd, you'd, they would be able to arrange some kind of coordination with approach there. Yeah. Which makes
0: me wonder. We should do, we should, uh, I'm not going to do it this minute, but we should do some research on uh, live ATC and see if they captured any interesting radio traffic um, out on that approach uh, in the days in question. Well, is there anything that would keep them from arranging
2: a discrete frequency with the FBI airplanes while they still handled normal traffic on the published frequencies? I guess not. I mean, is that done? I don't know again. why
0: I couldn't be. Say, yeah. say that again. He, he, he says, what, you know, so we've got the airliners on some published frequency that anybody can listen to and look up and, and dial in. Right. And we have the same controllers also talking to these FBI guys on another frequency that's not published.
1: They're, yeah, they could have a, a discrete frequency, no question. So the, so the controllers will be working. I,
0: I know, obviously, controllers work more than one frequency at a time. Uh, would they work a frequency that's, that's secret, so to speak?
2: it'd still be the same guys controlling the same airspace yeah. It just that everybody wouldn't hear everything
0: yeah I know yeah. and that always bothers me I've never I, I think the situational awareness of the party line is well, really important to safety.
1: The military does that a lot you'll hear you know smoking along um, talking to the center they'll be talking to some you know um, um, code number, code name and code number airplane and you'll never hear the airplane right yeah. Okay. And and this is especially true out uh, um out your way, David, because uh, there's a bunch of refueling tracks west and oh, south. Oh yeah. There. There's yeah, just yeah. a buttload of them, and uh, they're usually down. There's there's nothing else much out there, so there's not a whole lot of descents and and climbs. So uh, you know, in the twenty twenty five thousand foot range, there's a lot of that activity going on. Uh, oh, you're e- in- of- yeah with the in route jets going overhead.
0: Yeah. So, anyways, Eureka's got a
2: low and a high. Uh uh Uh, The low supports a lot of uh, uh, air-to-air combat practice, and you really, you know, is smart to pay attention to when it's hot and when it's not. Uh, There's Smoky Hill uh, up west of uh, Salina, and that's real heavy for live fire. And they got tanker tracks right on top of both of those places. Right. Yeah, you could spend a lot of time looking at KC-135Rs around here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Another story here is uh, the... Uh, so there was a... I'm a little confused Hopefully by this. none of them over Boston. Yeah. There was a... Uh, um, there were there were stories over the last couple of weeks about how the 787, the Boeing 787s, uh, were now moving back into service. I think I even saw a story about some I don't know, you know, far eastern airline that was like the first one to actually be flying their 787s again. And and this is kind of all part of the, the you know repair quote. I'm making finger quotes the repair of the whole battery thing. But now I'm seeing a story on Avweb that says NTSB plans urgent 787 battery tests. And so I'm a little confused. Don't be. Say again? Don't be. Why
2: not? Uh, the NTSB has nothing to do with the regulatory approval process. The FAA gets to do whatever it decides it wants to do and accept the test that it wants to accept. And the NTSB is going to come along and do what they do.
0: So the NTSB is, is going
2: to do their own test and come back so that later on they can say that somebody was wrong somewhere.
0: So, so this is the NTSB calling uh, blowing snow on the, uh, on the other fix? I don't know that I'd say that. Uh, <laughs> this is
2: the NTSB saying, yeah, 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 you're going to do your thing and we're going to do ours. And we're still not satisfied with what you're doing. We still want to do our own tests.
1: So... There you go. All right. Do you have anything you want to add to this? I'm not going into that. I'm <laughs> You're a, not even going gonna... <laughs> I wouldn't touch this with a 10-foot pole. Um, yeah, I mean, clearly, you know, the NTSB is doing its own thing. Uh-huh. Uh, and has been. I don't know. You know, I've always, I, I've been led to believe that the batteries, the problem batteries had been built to such close tolerances that, when one little food bar happened, the whole thing went up, and, and the containment system wasn't good enough to contain all of this. So they went back and redesigned the, the containment system. At the same time, I think they redesigned the batteries to, to put some more space between the components, the internal yeah, components, right. yeah. uh, which is either going to result in less density or a larger containment or a mounting area. So uh, that was my understanding of how this had all been resolved. Uh, I, I think what the NTSB is saying, they probably still don't know exactly what those those uh, uh, internal interactions are. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay. And 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 or you know maybe there's maybe they're curious about other batteries, uh, similar batteries. Oh, okay. Not necessarily the seven eighty seven batteries. Yeah. I guess. I I, I I don't know.
0: All right. But basically, you're going to stay out of this because
1: the yeah, better, part valor, right? better, better part of valor better part of it says tear down examinations as soon as possible of several aircraft batteries <laughs> which tells me that they're more than just the type that's in the same i see area.
0: okay okay before we go any
1: further let me say welcome folks to uncontrolled
0: airspace the general aviation podcast i'm jack hodgson and i'm here talking with my two good friends and uh, uh, they are let's uh, see dave higdon's out there in uh, wichita kansas how you doing david Wonderful. Doing lovely. Doing fabulous. And yourself? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. Also out there is Jeb Burnside talking to us from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. What's up
1: with you, Jeb? Nothing i you know, I just don't want to talk about that that seven eighty seven battery
0: thing. <laughs> you're just gonna, you're just not even <laughs> ten foot no, I just
1: not, not even going touch it no. yeah yeah okay
0: uh-huh. uh so and I'm Jack Hodgson and I'm up here at uh, at the beautiful Letty fields uh, uh somewhere near so <laughs> that's right somewhere close to uh to uh lookout point well, you, in, can, in,
1: in, you can in, uh, go, go ahead no, I'm sorry no Dave. I'm sorry, go ahead please no,
0: no, you dude, you
1: I was going to say I was going to say um um, in relative terms you know you're you 're not that far from Sarasota Florida either no 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 i 'm you know you know somewhere somewhere near right yeah, yeah. it 's all everything 's relative everything 's relative.
0: Everything's relative uh what else is going on here uh, a bunch of jab, uh, you, you called our attention to these these actually two uh drone videos, which are kind of interesting um
1: yeah i don 't know they 're not all that interesting they 're just kind of marker uh, well uh, uh, milestones though i mean yeah milestones just markers and, and the continuing uh march of the drones the um,
0: march, of the drones. All right, the march right, of the drones write that one down write that one down yeah so what 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 were these videos
1: um well, i've missed i've clicked the wrong link hang on a second uh one of them is clearly um oh now i got them both running in my ears hold on a second okay stop that wow
0: um yeah, they one are pretty, pretty, pretty screeching. They're yeah. the jets. Yeah,
1: what, one of them is a. Uh, it's clearly uh, on land. It's probably Patuxent River um, in Maryland, where they're launching a. Um, uh, this is an X forty seven B. I think it's Boeing made. It. It looks like a, uh, a stealth fighter with longer wings, uh, kind of deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. Like. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Um, and you're <laughs> launching it with a catapult. Uh, obviously unmanned. Yeah, so... Uh, it did fine. And then there's another video of um, it um, making an arrested arri- arrival, also on the, on, la- um, on land, mm-hmm. but with all the arresting gear, just as you would have uh, on ship. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, is the why they simulated this catapult. And, so. and
0: if you follow some of the links that are suggested at the end of those two, you'll see that there have also been some on-deck-at-sea um, trials of them just uh, practicing uh, taxiing the aircraft around on the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of interesting. It's interesting because well, it's interesting for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons I found it interesting is that we got our our uh, um, you know on deck uh, director, uh, flight. I don't know what they call them, but the guy who's giving signals to the aircraft, mm-hmm. and and he's signaling at the drone aircraft. Okay and I, And I was watching this i 'm thinking okay well that 's kind of interesting they 've probably got cameras forward looking cameras on the drone so that, so that the whoever's operating this drone can see the guy doing the signals and then a little bit later on in this in the same videos, we actually see the drone operator standing on deck with the little uh, shoulder-mounted remote controls who's actually controlling this drone, and he's standing behind the guy giving signals. So the guy is giving signals at the drone, but the guy operating it is standing
1: behind. I don't know if you can... I get it. It was an odd,
0: odd image that... uh, Uh,
1: Figured it would be some, you know, Lieutenant JG up in the bridge, just looking down, and he's got a little Radio Shack joystick. Yeah, well, you know, and but who knows?
0: It wasn't. It wasn't quite a Radio Shack joystick. It quite. There were actually a couple of interesting shots that showed this this uh, handheld uh, remote control that they were using. I was thinking that looks pretty cool. I want one of those. That was. That's kind of neat. But I think
2: uh, I, I think I saw it on sale at Club Midnight. Yeah,
0: no, I wouldn't imagine that it's on sale very many places. But Newegg.com so this is the x-47b <clears throat> apparently this is um so this is a they're trying to carrier you know uh, uh prove this uh-huh. drone aircraft and this led me to kind of do a little research because I, I always get all these drones confused there's three or four or five different sort of full size if you will large, i'm not talking about the little ones that you know that you you throw in the air like a like a balsa wood glider all right i'm talking about like the serious need a runway kind of drones that we hear about in the news and i've always gotten a little confused about which is which and so i did a little research here um and so i gave you a couple links here to uh, okay. to them um if you look at the, uh, the the first one there the uh images of drones which is just a uh, google image search so there appear to be three not counting the one that we saw in the video all right okay we've got if you 're seeing the same group of images as I am we 're seeing the uh, the two uh, prop driven tail uh, mounted pusher prop driven um, drones, and one has a v tail pointing downward and one has a v tail pointing upward and then the third image i 'm seeing is the larger one that has a v tail upward but also has a jet engine uh, mounted on the on sort of towards the tail and uh i was trying to figure out which is which and then the second link i gave you actually has uh, um has a little cheat sheet with names to these things so so the uh predator and the reaper are the two right. pusher prop um aircraft right. and the global hawk is the one that has the jet uh mounted on top and is much larger aircraft now the uh, the one that we saw the video on the care on the carrier uh, trials is not shown here uh, no, that's a new category of, uh, machine. And
2: since it's not yet operational, I don't think you'd find it on this list. But, uh, you, okay, kiddies, if any of you here in your teens and, and, and prepubescent who fantasized about someday going to one of the academies and fighting for your country flying aircraft like this, okay, don't worry about the physical requirements because chances are if you get to do that, you're going to be sitting at a console somewhere doing it and not in the actual cockpit. And for right. that, I'm kind of sorry. Yes. Well, it's, I, I'm
1: kind of sad about that, too. Um, they still have to have good hand-eye coordination. Um, they still have to have, you know, decent eyesight. Uh, you know, but they can be 350 and five foot high and, and get by. You know, they don't have to fit into a cockpit. I, yeah.
0: Okay, I, I would imagine that there are some physical requirements. I mean, I bet their shifts are pretty long and, uh, you know, stress and all that kind of stuff. But uh, Well, it, it's
2: probably going to be really helpful if you have the dexterity to move from one of the control requirements to another without leaving Cheeto fingerprints. Yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> now, my last question here is, which of these is the one that we saw visit Oshkosh a couple of years ago?
1: Okay, looking at the picture, I
0: think that was the predator.
1: It's the uh Yeah, it was
0: the predator. That that was my guess too, the predator yeah. was the one that we saw yeah. at uh I think yeah.
2: we had a visit from a global hawk, but I don't think it landed.
0: Really? I don't recall that, but uh that w- did it like do a low flyby or a high flyby?
2: Oh, low enough to Maybe I'm thinking of something
1: else. I, boy, I think I'd remember that. I don't I think I'd remember that too. I, I, maybe, I'm not so so sure sure that a would Connell Open House. I, I'm not so sure that would even be welcome at Oshkosh.
0: I why not? They're going to let the, They're going to let the jet glider suit guy fly. Well, it would have if they if they used the same protocol that they uh, followed to bring
2: in the Predator.
0: Yeah, I know they had uh, a very I know, yeah. Go ahead, David.
2: Oh, it was like, you know, a week and a half before the NOTAM went into effect uh... And had an escort aircraft all the way from its protected airspace to the uh... to the Whitman Regional Airport, and somebody on the ground to take the handoff on the on on, on controlling the aircraft once they got in the uh, airport traffic area, and really quite involved. And everything was basically shut down
0: for the period that it was in the vicinity.
2: Yeah, like everything went IFR except it was
1: VFR. Right,
0: right. So. Anyways, obviously drones are the thing,
1: and uh, yeah, we, but we don't want to drone on about them. <laughs> the members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that. Oh, and real pilots fly Cessna
0: uh the federal government i don't even know you know i don't even know if we want to get started on this but we're gonna all right um jeb you put a story up here and i don't know whether this is before the news of of friday um it's currently monday what day is today monday may 13th when we're talking um friday it was big news on this subject but you posted a story up here, sequestration part the infinity yeah. what, what were you going for
1: there <laughs> <laughs> it won't. It won't die. Yeah, we I know. Can't stick a, we can't hammer the stake deeply enough. The story that keeps on this, giving. The empire's heart.
0: Yes, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, what was the story? I've actually look at it here. Uh, it,
1: it was. It was. The, the FAA was trying to parse. Now let's you know go back um, another week. Um, the, the the House and the Senate acting together actually passed legislation. Um not been able to do that for several weeks if not. Did the months, Earth move not for years? You too? Yeah, I know. Yeah, okay. But they got their will act together long enough to pass a single bill. Basically well, I think there's some other junk in there too. There always is. Um to um relieve, if you will, the FAA of its sequestration responsibilities and allow it to transfer some money, not coincidentally from airport funding. But uh, allowed it to, to transfer some internal money and um, beat back the um, the ATC furloughs, the um, right. uh, one day a week, uh, or I'm sorry, one day a pay period for every AT well, every employee at FAA, but it was being felt uh, among the ATC furloughs and with delayed flights, et cetera. So, so the Congress got its act together and passed a bill, and then they went back to whatever the hell they were doing. Um, and then there's this story saying, well, the FAA is parsing the legislation to determine whether or not it will the legislation will allow uh, it to um, keep open the contract towers that were slated for closure mm-hmm. and still are slated for closure as of this article on June 15th.
0: On June 15th. Now that was the news that was on that Friday. That was the
1: news that was go- we we woke up to on Friday. Later Friday, uh, Secretary LaHood. Um, released a written statement saying uh, the, that based on their interpretation of the statute, they're going to keep everything open, leave us alone, go away, we're tired of this. Right, through through the end of the fiscal year. Through the end of the fiscal year.
0: And so we can only hope that the budget, if we get a budget, will uh, will include the, all the towers. But that, you know. we, we well, to,
2: and, and if Congress is, between now and the end of the fiscal year, able to only get together on one small thing in the budget, and agree once again in the sacrifice that it will take to let their differences stand aside and vote to protect their on-time travel schedules, then a small miracle truly will have happened. Of course, everything else is going to go to hell on a process, and they won't care about that as long as they can get home in time to collect the checks.
1: Not that there's any cynicism involved. No, no, not no, right. no, no, no.
2: Well, I don't I'm, know. I'm sorry, I'm not sure that this microphone is guaranteed against dripping cynicism.
0: I'll tell you, there's cynicism to go around. I had, uh, on sa- Saturday morning, I went and had breakfast at one of my local Air Force, Air, airport diners and while there I, uh, I i had occasion to say hello to one of the tower controllers um this was a tower that was scheduled to be closed and uh, and i and i just kind of i don't really know this controller but i just kind of know who He or she is, and I went up and said, you know, congratulations. We're glad that you guys are sticking around. And this person said to me, "Well, thank you. I appreciate that." But then he 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 said, uh, "But he said a stay of execution is what he said." Um, So uh, at least this particular controller is still feeling um, pretty fragile and pretty pretty at risk. So, uh, and they've just been through They've been through a roller coaster here. I mean, it's just
1: oh yeah, you know. And he he, she he should feel you know unsettled because uh you know this will be a deal in the upcoming budget and uh whether or not they get protected we'll see they, there's certainly been enough of all the of all the programs affected by sequestration uh i would say the FAA probably got 50% of the ink and oh yeah and you know so if there's any agency that's going to whether it's towers or or atc employees um or both um if there's anybody that's going to get exempted, it's it's that group. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So um, now what else was I going to talk about here? Let's see here. So well, the towers are going to
2: stay open. Yeah, go ahead, Dave. Some of these guys, just real quick and dirty, if by some strange shift in the universe, in, in the orbit of the sun or something, that the FAA should actually undertake to survey activity levels that these airports imply the existing standards for keeping the towers open there's going to be some of these towers go away anyway right but i don't hear anybody talking about spending the money that that would cost so
1: well there, there was another story and it's been within the last couple of months since the sequestration brouhaha actually you know finally hit There was another story saying that the faa had not updated its tower establishment and uh... Uh, maintenance uh, criteria for like twenty years. They're still they were still applying the same criteria. Now may, that may or may not be a deal. Uh, the the implication was they were using old data.
2: Oh yeah, I think you're right, and I think it was thirty. Uh, it could have
1: been thirty. I, I was I was thinking early nineties. <laughs>
2: that but would be the thirties, uh, nah, because nah. you and I were both working in the district when that happened. Uh, it was part of the uh, uh, part of the deal when trust fund taxes were. I'm sorry, when uh, excise taxes went up. Yeah, that was that that was
1: a whole other thing, though.
2: Yeah. yeah, that they would catch up on the uh, data uh, and the uh, requirements for you know ILS installations and new towers and all that because the FAA was going to spend all this extra money on airport development. And uh that that was part of the deal and I think that's probably the last time it was done.
0: Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. So
2: even air carrier airports might see some un, undesired answers. Yeah. If if the FAA redoes all this, because uh take a look around, there's a lot of airports that no longer receive air carrier service even at the one hundred thirty five level that were five years ago. Uh there's a lot of the larger airports that are still holding steady on passengers or losing a little bit, but are losing a lot in terms of actual movements mm-hmm. uh, because the airlines have been cutting back in, uh, on the markets that they serve, the frequencies in some of the markets. Instead of flying five to a destination in uh, you know the small 737, they'll put the largest one on and only fly three uh so you see a hit on both yeah passengers and traffic
0: yeah i think i've got this right correct me if i'm wrong but I, I i saw some news just prior to the sequestration relief coming into effect that was talking about actually i think maybe it was in the midst of them trying to figure out how to apply the relief and one of the things they were talking about was uh, manchester new hampshire which is not a tiny airport i mean it's not like a, a, a bravo airport but it's a it's a pretty busy charlie airport and uh it and they were talking about um moving it from twenty-four hour service to uh you know closed overnight.
1: And uh I mean that that would have been a thing. Well Manchester, New Hampshire only needs a twenty-four hour tower every once every four years. Yeah. <laughs> well that's
0: probably true. There <laughs> but, you go. <laughs> but for the better part of a year, you know, or more these days, right? It's uh so <laughs> yeah, okay. Um Let's see. The press release here from uh, NBAA, the uh, National Business Aviation Association, uh, dated uh, – well, this goes back to April, but David, you called our attention to it here. The National ba- Business Aviation Association has joined with the U.S. Department of Transportation yeah. and the U.S. Department of Agriculture to launch a new initiative <laughs> aimed at furthering the development of, jet fuel, of a jet fuel that is not only renewable, an, a renewable resource, but is also completely free of carbon pollutants. You think this is significant, David? I think the existence of, uh, of this effort, which includes
2: a lot of other alphabet organizations, uh, and a couple of, di- you know, a couple of divisions of, uh, of the government I- involved in this, the FAA. And I, I think there's even a nose in the tent from the, the uh, folks at uh, the Pentagon. Uh, the idea being less about a total replacement for petroleum as much as a, let's see how much we can replace. And if we can do it at a competitive cost, we can not only put a dent on carbon output, but we can put a dent on how much money we export. Uh, We're already doing pretty well on that regard just with the increases in energy production on our own the last few years. But the more, the better. And the carbon thing, uh, they just recorded a milestone of 400 parts per million of carbon dioxide at Observatory in Hawaii. That's kind of their standard reference point uh and is that up or down that's I've up a lot it. okay it's up. that's up a lot, and it's approaching what some are calling a tipping point uh you know it, without getting into the the whole scientific philosophical thing whether who's in it for the most money the evil scientist or the evil businessman uh hmm. The whole idea that we're seeing these weather extremes up and down and higher average temperatures correlating to increase in the carbon dioxide level, whether it's primarily man-made, it seems to me as irrelevant. If we have the capability, the technology to reduce our impact on that and stop the rate mm-hmm. of change… We should be doing it. Mm -hmm. And then we can have the argument about whether it's at its root natural
1: or man-made. Right. right. Why would you not want to take steps to fix this?
2: Yeah, Jeb, I can't can't figure that one out. I don't don't, don't get it. Why would you not want to know how to swim if swimming would save your life? And Oh, wow. If you're a sailor or near a river or have a six-inch swimming pool, knowing how to swim could save your life.
0: Because – We've got people who don't want to save our planet, so I don't get it. Because it's a temporary thing. It's going to correct itself in a few more years. Right. We
2: had, that, we had that idea about streams in down downstream from mining operations while they just self-cleansed every few miles. And then we learned about heavy metals and toxic chemicals that continue to do more damage farther downstream and went, wow, we were wrong about that. This self correcting, I think, at the rate of population growth and the rate of energy consumption, uh, that the idea that this is going to somehow miraculously self correct. Well, if I lose teeth tonight, I'm putting them all under the same pillow because that's what I think it's going to take for that to happen. (laughs)
0: Um, a handful of Beechcraft stories here, of one sort or another. Um, I, I don't know whether I've got them in the right order here. David, you're telling us about a, a new Bonanza STC, some cool new stuff we can do. Add to your well, Bonanza. What's this? It's sun in fun of 2012.
2: One one of the little projects I got to tackle was flying a, a new combination autopilot and primary flight display system, glass cockpit system, that worked together uh like a high-end flight management system in a turbine airplane and couple it with any was gps and you got a machine that can almost fly its own approaches it's got envelope protection and overspeed protection and all this really sophisticated stuff and the base entry price was about 22 grand for the autopilot and the primary flight display system, if you didn't already have it, uh, it was 40182. The STC for the primary flight display is much broader than that. And uh, in the past few days, the folks at uh, Avidine uh, STC'd this autopilot for pretty much every model of Bonanza and Debonair made. Uh, to work with the Aspen Pro 1000 primary flight display, which is already STC'd for all those bonanzas. Mm-hmm. Uh, a whole lot of autopilots that it's a replacement option for, and it brings a lot of functionality to the party uh, for four figures that I'd have to characterize as. Uh, proportionally probably the lowest money you could spend to get this kind of functionality out of an autopilot.
0: Mhm. Well, there you go, jeb I know you've been thinking about upgrading your Garmin, so uh you just Yeah, but my autopilot's fine. <laughs> okay. But, but it's but it's it's new. It's shiny. It's better. Okay, well. Well, this doesn't in?
2: replace his GPS. This replaces his uh, instrument stack.
0: I know. That's, I'm and,
2: and his autopilot if he wanted to do the it.
0: Point making, the point I'm making, it really works. The point I'm doing a bad job at making here is that it's a very different kind of thing. This is a big deal, this, uh, this uh, STC, huh? This is well, quite a system.
2: It's quite a system, and, and I think Jeb will back me up on this. Uh, in terms of a personality type, Bonanza owners are among the higher. More prone to lavish their airplanes with really f- high-end functional goodies, uh, and this is in that category. And uh, I've seen a number of uh, bonanzas already with two-screen uh, Aspen systems in where you know six, eight instruments were before uh, running older autopilots that this system will replace. And knowing these guys, not a doubt in my mind that they're already talking to one of the local avionics shops that, that does the Avidine stuff about getting their old autopilot replaced and putting this new one in. it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. that
0: happens. Yeah. Now, Jeb, in a couple of stories that you called our attention to just uh, this afternoon, um, it looks like uh, Beechcraft is uh, – is uh has emerged
1: from bankruptcy in kind of good, good shape, some it so, kind of does. Um, what are two these stories? stories? Yeah, go two ahead. Stories coming out this afternoon. One, the uh, Air Force and the Navy have ordered um 35 of uh Beach's T6 trainers. This is a two seat tandem turboprop uh airplane, daily, not it like adapted from the Pilatus PC9 or something? It, it's like
0: very that? similar, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, um Anyway, that, that's a big deal because they've been, they've been trying to sell these to the Pentagon for some time. And this is a nice little shot in the arm for them. That story uh, is preceded by a story uh, from last week about Beechcraft sh- reporting a strong first financial quarter uh, of 2013. Uh, said they, they shipped, uh, delivered, um, um, where does it say it? Um, you know, I, I thought, oh, 34 King Airs. That's pretty good. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, three or four a week. Yeah. Um, that's, now, that's, a, that's okay.
0: W- wasn't part of the bankruptcy fix, didn't it involve, I don't know, breaking up the company or kind of spinning things off? or. I
1: well, don't know they, what the correct. Yeah, the, they, they basically got rid of the jet division. But I don't know if they, they spun it off or whatever. They, you know, well,
0: they actually. haven't yet. It's
2: for sale but they're getting out of the jet building business they made that clear they delivered four Hawker 4000s which was a fairly advanced design when they first launched right, it right. in 96 uh composite fuselage metal wing uh high-end uh Honeywell avionics package uh late to market uh Over cost and development, but they finally got the last one of those delivered now this King air stuff uh you know that that and the Baron and the Bonanza and a couple of new turboprop design
0: singles that they're working on that's that's their product line now. yeah that's right i'm remembering this now so the distinction was that that beechcraft was going to try i'm going to oversimplify this i'm sure was going to try and get out of the non-propeller business right um that they right on and anything that was had a propeller whether it was a, a piston or or a, tur- or a turbine, was they were going to stay in and they were going to try and get rid of the pure jet stuff that mm-hmm. so it wasn't a military versus civilian distinction is my no. point um okay well that's pretty interesting. That's that's great. It's a that's a, good news you for Beach, sure. a uh a a legendary old great aircraft uh, company continuing to, to you know to I was gonna say plod along, that's not the right word. Well, but uh you know march we along. Out,
2: we were out past the beach factory uh, riding around on, on Saturday afternoon and uh, happened to go past uh plant two which uh, was at the southwest corner of the complex, and that was the Bonanza and Baron Assembly plant mm-hmm. for decades. And in Plant 3, which between there and the original one on the west side, uh, just north of Plant 2, was where they did the composite starship, and then the, uh, uh, Premier and the Hawker 4000, which had, uh, the composite fuselages. And it was strange looking at it because plant two is on property that's going to get sold off or has been sold off because they're widening the highway. Oh. That, through the street that runs along the south edge of the Beechcraft property. Uh, so that, that building's going to go away. It's going to be kind of strange because they built that building to handle Bonanza production. Uh, when right after the airplane first, you know, hit their product line, the demand was so good they got it out of the factory where they were building the 18s and out on its own. Uh, that's all going to be gone for too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's weird. But that's do they?
0: Do, do, does Beechcraft build most of these aircraft there in in the in the Wichita area? Uh, most of, but not all of. There's some work
2: that's being done in Mexico, uh-huh. uh, wiring harnesses and some structural work uh, that used to be in Salina. Uh, they used to have a big facility in Salina that built up wings and wing parts for the Bonanzas, the Barons, and the King Airs. Uh, that all got shut shut down. That that property uh, released back to the Salina folks, and it's you know being converted into other uses for that airport uh... Yeah, pretty much anything that's not being built in Mexico or by subcontractors—that's uh... It, that's a minority of the airplane.
0: But are they be, the majority be- of the airplanes built there in Wichita? But the final assembly all happens there in Wichita. Final assembly all happens there.
2: Okay, cool. That's good.
0: That's good. We here at the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast are very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. For information on how you can make a donation to this podcast, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. It doesn't need to be very much. Just 10 or $15 over the span of a year is a big help. Thank you. Shout outs. What do we got here? Um, a uh, big news. We're 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 now we're 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 at a. Oh, let's see. There must be a great ma- metaphor we can use here. Um, we're we're at a, a turning point, a tipping point. All right. We're we're now recovered. We're mostly recovered from sun and fun, and we're starting to get very. Really, <laughs> we're starting to get really excited about Oshkosh. And sure. uh, so, one bit of Oshkosh news uh, we had uh, last over the last week or so is that the uh, 2013 AirVenture Notum is out and available for you to. Uh, I don't Know, is it actually it must be available for download as well as ordering your copy and uh, have either of you actually looked at it yet and uh, i'm looking at it right now yeah and does yeah, it i took I took a look at the uh,
2: downloadable version and i'm going to send off for my souvenir copy of the hard
0: print one jeb does it have a uh, a section up front that talks about changes it
1: does what does it say well the one that jumps out at me uh immediately on-site flight service station services are not expected at Air Venture. Ah, yeah. Alternative on-site briefing options may be available. Um, that's the last of five changes for thirteen.
0: You know, months. it's tempting to say that that's a you know sequestration budget kind of thing, but I wouldn't necessarily think so. I, I think that's part of the reality of people getting their briefings online and
1: and uh, I don't know. What don't time know. do ever, you go
2: to
0: work?
1: Yeah, every time I go into one of those facilities at AirVenture, or for that matter, less less so, but certainly at Sun and Fun also, they've been packed. Okay, they're busy all the time. Yeah,
0: it's a cool thing to do to go in there. You know, it's like you know an on-site, an on-field flight service station. What a concept! You know, put this into
2: perspective for Oshkosh in particular as they've had that on-site facility, to walk through there at the corner of the FAA building for decades now. Uh they also have two remote locations where they do briefings at the same level with the same material and the same graphics. One of them uh, near the entrance coming in from the North 40 campground and the other one down by the ultralight area in the, on the on, on on past the red barn down on the south end and they're all busy. Yeah. I go down to the south end for the breakfast down there. Uh you know, they've got maybe not a crowd, but there's not a briefer that's not engaged with somebody uh coming in from the Super 8, sub sorry, the superb 8 <laughs> in the mornings. Yeah. Uh it's rare that there's not a handful of guys already there talking to briefers and others waiting because You know, believe it or not, there's a lot of people who like to go on trips as unencumbered and untethered as possible, which means, you know, you pick up a phone or you walk someplace where you can talk to a human being.
0: Stunning. Yeah, okay. This comes from the former hang glider guy, you know, who's like... (laughs) um, How does it work at... Does Sun and Fun have FAA flight service briefers on site or... I, yeah, I know that to, right there presume, yeah. yeah, right
2: there in the southeast corner of the FAA building. They do. I know I was talking to one
0: definitely. of our listeners who was telling me that the, his volunteer job while he was at Sun and Fun was to give departure briefings. But I, maybe that's more operational that's how not to taxi. Flight service. Yeah that's right. Not, that's yeah. but that yeah. that doesn't and, and that's not replacing flight service. That's not an alternate no, no. to flight no. service. That's a, another but kind of briefing. That's which
1: taxiway to use. Which runway yeah, right. is in use? Which frequencies yeah. that kind of thing. And, and the final check on procedures to depart the airport. Right. Show. So,
0: anyways, the notam is available and uh, go online. Obviously, you can download it because we just did, and or or request a hard copy. And uh, if you're pl- lovely shot of an air coupe on the cover. Yes, and uh, as we always say, uh, if you're planning on flying into Air venture. Uh, make sure you uh, read the briefing in advance and carry a copy with you. It's very, very important.
2: Yeah. Don't you think it'd be cool to have an air coop racing league? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I think? mean, you, you know, think you wouldn't have to have a course that was very long. For it to still take two minutes a lap, <laughs> now, see? and see, and, and we could all be in sight of the bleachers.
0: Okay,
1: It'd be relatively cheap too.
0: <laughs> okay, oh, absolutely, swell prize for the listeners who can tell us whether David was just complimenting um, the uh, the aircoops or dissing them. I don't know which it was. No, no, no I think it's
2: cool. I think the aircoops one of the
0: coolest airplanes ever devised. I, I no,
1: well, I, I, that's that's like a, a younger woman telling an older woman that she really likes her outfit. Her mother has one just like it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll talk about air coops another day. Uh, other shout outs. Uh, David, who's her along? Oh, that's the leprechaun! Man. I know that's the leprechaun. That's so, the leprechaun. One of you guys, I think maybe it was Jeb, called our attention to a really cool little profile piece in the Wichita Eagle about uh, Earl Long, the, the leprechaun. Who's uh, longtime listeners will know we've talked about the leprechaun. He's uh, sort of the uh, the uh, the keeper, the head guy at uh, at Dead Cow International in Wichita, and uh, nice story. Uh, what'd you think of it, David? Well, it's, you know,
2: pure Earl. Uh, the guy is is so far away from anyone who's going to toot his own horn. Uh, it, it brought out stuff that I've known about Earl for years, but he kind of like waves me off of ever talking about. Uh, so if he was willing to talk to Molly about him, cool. Uh, I did do a little writing about him when I was uh, at the Wichita Eagle. Uh, talked about the work he did for Kermit Weeks in restoring one of the airplanes that Kermit had damaged by, what was it, Hurricane Andrew, I think, down in South Florida. Uh, Earl and I have been friends. He's uh, pre-purchased a couple of airplanes for me, pre-purchased, inspected a couple of airplanes for me. We've flown together a bunch of times. My, my bride, Annie, marveled at his collection of vintage 1976 charts in his 1947, I'm sorry, 48 Bonanza, because as are all noted, oh, the towns didn't move. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh yeah, okay. Uh huh. He's he's just a, a great human being and smart as a whip. Yeah, I'm uh, sure. And still crawling around in the tail of airplanes. At, at well. Old enough that he shouldn't have to, but he still enjoys doing it. I so there you go.
0: There's a great story in here. I'd never heard, David. You'd never told it. I, well, I, you, I guess you are just saying that the, the, the Earl asked you to kind of keep it under your hat. But an interesting story here about the time that Earl um, was going to ferry an aircraft out to a twin-engine aircraft from the west coast of North America to New Zealand. And they got about 20, 250 miles out over the ocean when one of the engines quit. And... Uh, and uh, they were just not going to make it. I mean, you know, just in, in terms of glide ratio, or, you know, single engine, um, or, you know. Uh, what was the movie? The High and the Mighty? Yeah. And, these, and so what did he do? He, he, he wasn't going to make it uh, except that he got into ground effect and was able to keep the airplane, quote unquote, airborne in ground effect to make it all the way back well, to. I love, you know,
1: the, I love the quote in there. At one point, they were thinking about ditching. And he says, now, if this airplane is going in the water, it is going in the water with two bad engines. No, just-
0: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We're going to use the whole airplane. No messing around. Yeah, so. Uh- uh,
2: as a great human being, I'll probably see him at a, a little function I'm going to next Monday. Mm-hmm. So, Matter of fact, I need to touch base with him and see if he's, if he's flying, I want to ride out with him. If he's riding his motorcycle, I want to ride out with him. Uh, he uh, fixed my airplane up after I bent it. It spent seven months in a part of Dead Cow that we fondly call the Well of the Souls. <laughs> it, it's the place where airplanes go and don't come out for a long time.
0: Yeah. But
2: well, when they come out, they haunt the
0: world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure Jeff will put a, a link to this story in the show notes, um, but you can find it pretty easily by going into Google and just Google "conversation with Earl Long," and uh, it comes up as the first hit. So uh, it's a great story, and uh, this is a guy we've been talking about on the podcast for seven, well, however many years it's been since the late '50s. So, uh,
2: oh, and my hats off to Molly for uh, engaging him and getting yeah. him to talk about it's it. It's a nice so. piece.
1: you yeah. did a good job. Yeah.
2: Other shoutouts. Um, not for me. I got one small one that I think we know about, but we didn't really talk about before. But our old friend, I got a, a, a an update notice from a professional networking. Program I belong to, and our old buddy Charlie Becker is officially back on the job, back in Oshkosh, back at EAA
1: as communities director. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a good thing. That's great, that's a very good thing, and I'm I'm very happy for both EAA. Uh, and uh, for Charlie,
0: yeah, yeah, just you know, quickly the backstory here is that Charlie was one of the folks. Uh, although he wasn't laid off during the uh, difficulties at EAA, he chose to to move on, and uh, found himself a very nice position down in down at uh, Frederick for AOPA. Um, but when uh, things started to uh, to uh, change, if you will, back up in Oshkosh, um, Charlie apparently uh, I don't know if Charlie reached out or they reached out, but a, uh, an arrangement was made, and Charlie's back. Um, He's been doing some great work for a long time now, so that's very very cool very very cool
2: oh well, i had had a chance to uh visit a little bit with charlie uh a couple of times briefly and one time a little more extensively when we were at sun and fun together and uh it was kind of fun watching his eyes light up when he talked about you know returning to Oshkosh where he really had uh a community connection both with the, the town and with the EAA member community yeah and like Jeb said, it's a good thing for EAA and, and its members, big time.
0: Yeah, we were we had one of the we had a sun and fun moment, uh, Charlie and I at uh, down in down at Lakeland. Um, we were both sitting on the back, the facing backwards seat of a golf cart, two different golf carts, and and we were going in opposite directions. And and as our two golf carts passed each other, he saw me. I didn't initially see him. He saw me, and he called out, "Hi, Jack!" "Hello," and I saw him, and I said, "Hey, hi, Charlie! Congratulations!" And as he as he just kind of disappeared appeared in the distance he just has a big grin on his face so i think he was probably happy with the whole arrangement and uh, unfortunately that's as much time as i got to spend with charlie at sun and fun but hopefully i'll get a chance to say hi when we get up to oshkosh in a couple months what else anything else i think maybe that's it i think maybe it's fork time here huh mm. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, Those two voices out there, Dave Higdon is an aviation photographer, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. David, what have you been working on? Anything fun? Yes. You, it's just like it's just like clockwork. It's like every week I ask the exact same question and Dave acts like acts like, you know, I, I never even occurred to me that you would ask that question, Jack. My goodness. Let me think about yeah, this for a minute. Yeah, you
1: know, I I've got a friend, you know I'll ask, you know, hey, so what are you up to tomorrow? And the answer will be, oh, about five nine. <laughs> yeah. And it just makes me wanna scream. <laughs>
0: David, we've we've stretched and, and and filled as much time as we possibly can here. What are you working on?
2: Uh, some fun stuff. Uh, I got to fly an airplane for the uh, uh, folks at EAA Experimenter uh, that uh, should be out in uh, in a, in, a uh, in an issue soon, and that's an online publication. So uh, we gave them lots of pictures to work with. Uh, and uh working on finding a home for a uh, flight that I got in an LSA with an airplane that just surprised the daylights out of me uh in terms of how it performed for the horsepower.
0: So that's gonna be fun. mm mm-hmm. cool. when it gets done. And where can people in general find you on the internet?
2: Oh uh buyer dot com, look for World Aircraft Sales link, uh AEA dot net, look for the avionics news link uh aviationsafety.com look for the cuff links uh let's see twitter oh i, I am there somewhere
0: i know you're real you higden real, real higden on twitter and that other voice is jeb burnside jeb's a freelance aviation writer and editor serving as the editor in chief of aviation safety magazine jeb what have you been working on
1: uh well let's see just put to bed the uh june issue of aviation safety magazine uh yay team um came out pretty well again this year, this month so uh, I'm happy with that. got uh, a piece in there NTSB recently uh, published five count them five of its uh, safety alerts targeting general aviation and in specific kinds of operations and uh, um specific um, uh flight planning and risk management tasks so did a big story on that. Um, Amy uh, Lobota did a piece on simulators for me, a uh, nice little piece on them. Then another piece on, you know, is it, is it uh, smart? Uh, is it safe uh, to own an airplane versus rent or, or get into a club or something like that? What are some of the things that you need to think about in addition to just, you know, the responsibilities of, like, maintenance? Hmm. Uh, what are some of the things that you need to think about, um, like complacency? Uh, Interesting, yeah. If you're an aircraft owner. Very good piece by uh, uh, Mike Hart, a loyal uh, UCAP listener, uh, and a bunch of other stuff. So, uh, as I say, just happy to get that one um, in the can. Um, got some coverage coming out in the June issue of uh, Avionics News of uh, the AEA's um, uh, annual convention uh, held this year in Las Vegas. Um, some stuff I'm working on. Uh, uh, for some other outlets, and and uh, just just having a good time.
0: Cool. And where yeah.
1: can people find you on the internet? Ah, uh, Burnside com. Uh, I am on Facebook. Uh, I am on the Twitter uh, aviation safety magazine dot uh, com uh, and aea net.
0: Yeah, on the Twitter, on the Facebook, they can probably find you. On the Twitter, yeah, you burn, call yourself
1: BurnsideJ
0: J. There we go. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, freelance writer, and a new media producer. Please check out my uh, Kindle eBooks, Around the Field, Volumes 1 and 2, Stories About the People, Places, and Planes of the Oshkosh Fly-In. Uh, you can read these uh, eBooks on your Kindle device or with the Kindle Reader software on your iPad or your laptop or your desktop computer. Learn about all of my uh, Kindle eBooks at amazon.com slash author slash jackhodgson. And in general, learn about me at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net and on twitter i am simply jack hodgson so uh, thanks again as always to jeff ward for all his help with the show notes and in the forums and don't forget to check out all of the ucap website you can chat with us directly and with many of your fellow listeners in those uh, aforementioned uncontrolled airspace forums you can see who's doing what on the new ratings web page of fame and much much more all of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. david were you going to say something go fly and remember
2: time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan then you can get to be as old a
1: fart as jack
0: (laughs) that's enough talking let's go flying
1: i've somewhere i've heard all that before i can't remember where